The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the hosts and guests, and are not based on professional expertise or training. They do not reflect the opinions or views of any counseling or psychological professional organization. We're brothers and best friends. In the last 12 months, both of our marriages officially ended. We decided to talk about it in an open forum and accept our vulnerabilities together. Know that this is hard. We'll talk about our experience and perspective on relationships, social norms, and our evolving lives that require constant adaption. We want to tell anyone listening that you are not alone in this. This is our conversation about divorce. This episode of Brothers Divorce is about the initial separation, when our exes moved out, and how we reclaimed our space. First up, it's Todd's story. After a lot of therapy and many ups and downs, it was time to start considering splitting up. With the help of our couple's counselor, we planned to separate for a couple weeks, up to a month, and then regroup. We were to check in on how we felt and plan the next steps. We agreed that she would be the one to move out of the rental house. And luckily, some of our friends were out of town, and they offered up their place for her to crash until they came back. If she couldn't find a place to stay, with friends, we agreed to pay for Airbnbs. But I remember having to clarify that it was inappropriate for her to come back to the house if she didn't have a place to stay, because that would obviously take 100 steps backwards. After it was clear that the separation was more of a permanent situation, um, she started to look for a new place. We agreed on which personal items her and I were going to keep. I sold, or kept, what I had when it was all said and done. My ex moved some of her stuff while she was staying at friends' places and Airbnbs. We also worked through all the other logistics during this process, such as getting new renter's insurance, opening bank accounts, transferring phone plans, all of that. She ended up finding an apartment and took everything that we agreed on. I really have to admit that I was jealous that she was getting her new place to call her own. But that time would come soon for me. When she moved out, I now had my own place for the first time in years, even though it was in a dark basement in a rent house. This is the first major moment of clear movement after what felt like a lengthy state of torturous limbo. I can now start to reclaim this space. And this was an opportunity for me to physically move forward. I took the photos in my bedroom that were of my ex and I, and I replaced them with pictures that I've taken. I moved my desk upstairs in my roommate's office to my bedroom. I took out some of the ceramics that I've made in the past and redecorated my bathroom. It wasn't much change, but the minor touches went a really long way for me. I finally owned a part of my life that I didn't have control of during this painful process. 
not long afterward, we had our last couple's counseling session, and we filed for divorce. But this was a huge step to improving the situation in my life. Now, there were many painful and difficult moments still to come, trust me. Although, I was anxious to start my new future. Moving into my own apartment was the ultimate reclaiming my space experience. Especially after living with roommates and my ex. The rental house that I lived in had lots of foot traffic, and I never felt that it was truly my home. That place was kind of a shit show. Also, I'm more of an introvert, and I surrounded myself with extroverts. This had its disadvantages, namely, it was a challenging environment as my marriage was ending. After four or five months after my ex found an apartment, I found an apartment a mile away to call my own. My life yet again changed in a very emotional and physical way, quite therapeutic. I took my old things out of storage, I bought new plates, I bought new silverware, had to build up my spices again, which is incredibly fulfilling. I bought a bunch of different kitchen items because I cook a lot, bought a new couch, a shower curtain, um, I bought some plants and succulents, even a dining table set. So I was starting over at age 34, and it felt great. I had my own space and immediately felt more balanced and fulfilled. Now, I'm comparing these moments to today. I am much happier now. Not to say that it isn't difficult, but there's a lot that I've learned about myself, and I've learned how to accept myself more. This process of reclaiming my space also had me explore how others treated me and how I've treated myself in the past. I've worked really hard on myself. Professional help with my therapist and a desire to get to a better place was pivotal. I needed to learn how to start loving myself more. I currently work to ensure priorities now reflect who I am at the core once again. Next up, it's Chad's story. We lived in our current home together for nine years before she moved out. During the divorce process, when it came time to decide what to do with the house, I decided I was going to continue living here, which required me to buy her out of it since we owned the house together. We agreed on what items were staying and what items she was taking with her. I decided to stay for a few reasons. Mainly, I didn't want to deal with the stress and hassle of finding a new place to stay. I already had plenty to worry about. Also, this was my home and I wasn't ready to leave yet. This was the first time in my life I have ever lived alone. It was something I always wondered what it was like to do, but now I was living it. Something I had never planned for. 
While living together in the house, she was always the one who was tasked with the furnishing and decoration choices. That was always her thing, and I was totally fine with that. Decorating wasn't really a priority to me. I had a home, and I was happy. After she left, and since she was the decorator, I was living in my house with all of her decorations and furniture choices. All the memories associated with the house, completely fresh, and the only difference is that she isn't here anymore. In the beginning, it was a very difficult adjustment, and I quickly came to the realization that I needed to start making this my own space. The first changes started small, which involved replacing kitchen, bath towels, shower curtains, floor mats, and new dishes. Even though these were small items, it was refreshing to make these changes. Then I eventually moved to larger items such as changing the art on the walls and buying new furniture. Making these changes caused a bit of anxiety since decorating really wasn't my thing. I wasn't used to that. There are also things I just threw away or sold. Making these changes was very therapeutic. For each piece that I replaced, I felt a small bit of relief. Maybe it was another memory I'm not seeing every day. Maybe because it's a small step forward in making my own place. Or maybe it was because I never liked that item anyway, and I was happy to get rid of it. The hardest things so far are to go through the photos. Any photo with her and I and them were immediately removed and put away somewhere. I still don't know what to do with those long term. It was 15 years of history and memories that were definitely a major part of my life and a piece of who I am today. She has been out of the house for about a year and a half, and for the most part, it does feel like my place now. I have added and replaced several items which reflect my taste and personality. Living in the home that we used to share does have some occasional challenges. There are still the memories, ghosts of the past that do appear occasionally. The memories, good and bad, can be triggered by the most random things. It could be anything from making a certain dish we used to enjoy, repairing something that we built together, or just sitting and watching TV. As I record this episode, the plan is to sell the house in the near future. I feel like it is time to move on. The day I sell it will be a mixture of happiness and sadness, mostly due to all the memories associated with this home. Overall, I'm glad I decided to stay in the house. I'm glad I was able to make it my own space, which I believe is an important process of healing and discovering myself once again. The grief of divorce is deep, dark, heavy, and normal. Reinventing yourself is commonly natural as you rediscover yourself and heal. A major aspect of this reinvention is reclaiming your existing or new space, but in your own unique way. It's a process that has no definition, but people find comfort in it. So yeah, I want to lead in. Um, 
when you were talking, you mentioned that reclaiming your space allowed you to explore how others treated you. I was wondering if you can expand on that a little bit. Yeah, so just the process of di- or, yeah, dissecting um, how I felt about rediscovering myself. Um, during this time, I was working on other elements of my life. But when I was looking at redefining my space, it had me look at myself. And this is something I think we've talked about, but there's sort of a rebranding process that happens. And I realized that um, I don't think that I was really, first of all, I wasn't really uh, giving myself enough love and respect and patience. And I also found that there's a lot of people around me at the time. Uh, It was reflective of that um, type of treatment as well. So really it was almost like a, a commonality between the two. And it had me look at other areas of my life. So do you think it was because that since you were you were trying to focus on yourself, part of that focus on yourself involved like, okay, so here is me focusing on me. So now how are others, what are other, what, it's kind of hard to put this into words, but what do others and me have in common or like how do we work together and how do we like mutually benefit each other, I guess, is where I'm going. Yeah, it was like um, once I realized that I don't think I was treating myself right um, or maybe it wasn't matching my personality because there's elements of my personality at the time that I, I necessarily didn't like. Um, I, I found that, you know, I surrounded myself with people who are not my the type of personality that I am because I didn't really like that part of me at the time. And so I, okay. I kind of lo- looked on the outside and realized like, well, this is actually um, affected externally as well and not just internal. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. Okay, it, cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's good. Um, so one thing, and I, I, I can probably shed some light on that and we, we can probably talk about this together, but so this is talking about like reclaiming your own space this is talking about after she left, we were like sit, essentially sitting there. I'm like, okay, now what? Like, this is my space now. What am I going to do with it? And our stories are a little bit different because I stayed in our home that we shared and you moved to a different one. But right. I kind of wanted to dig in your, your brain a little bit is so take yourself back. When you were, after she left, let's say stuff is gone, she left, and you were sitting there, what was going through your head? Well, I remember coming back, and I think it was after our Boston trip, but maybe it was afterwards, I don't recall, Um, and walking into the area where her clothes used to be, and it was empty, and that was probably the realization, like, well, shit, (laughs) like... Uh, yeah. she's gone um, you know that does carry some sadness obviously um, but at the same time it was movement um, you know that movement doesn't mean it's a happy thing but it's definitely something that I wasn't experiencing for the I mean my god uh, probably past few years but especially the past few months um, but you know when you're sitting in that space 
and it's still essentially the same as it was when uh, my ex left. You're thinking like, okay, um, you know, my brain goes to now, now I need to like either like make it manlier or put my personal touch to it because first of all, a lot of stuff was empty. So I needed to fill those spaces. Yeah. But more so for me, it was like when I saw, when I went into the bedroom and there's like photos of us still and I'm like, mm, okay, this isn't going to work. And kind of did a mad rush to just change everything. Um, and it, you know, that really helped me like push it to the next level or just made me feel more comfortable actually. So an, another, yeah, another answer to that is it was, it felt very uncomfortable at first, mm-hmm. but then when I made it my own, it was then had had that little personal touch yeah, that kind of helped me through that, uh, the uncertainty of everything. Well, I think that being uncomfortable is a good motivator to fix things. Yeah, it can be if you're, if you're using like some of that or like, you know, there's some things like if you, if you're anxious about something, um, sometimes you can use that to your benefit. Um, sometimes it's completely overwhelming. Um, but you know, with my experience and what I went through, um, I felt that I was more than ready, um, that I was like ready to hit the ground running just because of the, the long process through the therapy and seeing that, um, you know, we took a few steps forward, took more steps back, but it was like the back and forth. And that's when I talk about, it felt like a torturous, um, stasis of limbo. Yeah. So, you know, for me, it was more of a like, okay, um, now, now that this is happening, I've got to start, I got to start this life because I've, I've been sitting in this life of, um, limbo or purgatory for a while at that point. And I think that, that I feel like this could be a, a reoccurring theme, but I feel like, like you had, you did have time to repair. You were in that purgatory for, for however long. And I think I was, I was, I think I was still in shock for a while. You, you got surprised. Mine was like the equivalent of ripping a bandaid off just to get it over with. And it happened fast. It happened unexpectedly. So I think if I can go back and I, and I was, as I was writing this and reading what you were saying, I was going back. I'm like, I'm trying to think back to where I was and like what I was doing like I either came home and she wasn't here or it was after that she left and I, and I was home and she pulled out of the driveway and left. And I'm like, when I was sitting there, I'm like, holy shit. And it's like, my life is changing forever. Yeah. And it's this, this chapter is definitely over. And that was a very hard thing to chew for me. Well, imagine also it's probably difficult to really think about how you felt. First of all, it was traumatic, but yes. Second is that you probably were in more of a survival mode mentality. I was, and I think that's there's a I think that's a big reason why a lot of that is a blur. Yeah, and it's it's very hard. So I'm I'm trying to sit there and think back, and I and I don't remember. Yeah, that well. I don't remember what the exchange was in regards to like, okay, see you later. Did we hug each other goodbye? Did I leave? 
and then she left while I was gone. I that uh, it sounds pretty wild, but I don't remember. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to pull up memories that cause that type of pain. But like I said, if it is more the survival mode mentality, then it's definitely like you probably just don't remember them. But that's incredibly difficult to figure out how you felt at a certain point of time, especially when it's really hard and traumatic, because then it brings up everything and your body is probably saying, do not think about this. Do not think about this. <laughs> yeah, it, it was but, going in defense mode. Yeah. And there's some, far, uh, some part of therapy that um, you... You bring it up um, and you familiarize yourself with it. So when that stuff comes up, you aren't shocked and you don't want to have that run away or your body doesn't say repress, repress anymore. It's, it's like, okay, it's starting to welcome that experience, no matter if it's something that was pleasurable or something that was incredibly difficult. But yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That I, I totally get that. Um, so yeah, it was, so it's very difficult to think about and it's, it's hard to think about when you went in or like when I went in it's like, okay, I, okay, it's time to make a change. I have to make a change. And it's, it's, there's a pretty big gray area. And I think I sat in here for a while and didn't make a lot of changes for maybe a month or two. And then that's when I realized, okay, it's time to start. It's time to start doing some things. It's time to start making some changes because now this is going to be my place. She's not coming back. Yeah. It's it's time to move on. And move on's a very broad statement, but it's like at that point in time in this house, it's time to move on from being our place to my place. Yeah, and I think that it it's good to like provide some perspective on this because when my ex told me like there there were issues um and then we need to work on it because it seems like okay, so I'll just kind of back up a bit. Um, for me, she, we had the initial conversation of like, okay, we're, we're at like a, uh, what would you call that? The issue point where we need to do something or we need to figure it out or we need to figure out if we're not like going to be together. Probably, um, about a year before she finally left, probably less with you. Um, it was like, your ex told you this stuff is going on and then she left shortly afterwards. So it wasn't that much yeah, time. There was, there was no buildup. Right. It, it was just like immediate. I mean, looking back, there was a little buildup, but nothing like where we talked about it. It's like as soon as yeah. we talked about it, it was done, which that's kind of how we handled a lot of things. But right, you just bring it up and take action. Now, I have a question for you after that. Sure. So um, handling the way that you guys handled things, like when you're looking for a, a new relationship, be it even friends, family, or romantic, you know, is that something that you're actively going to um, say? It's like, no, let's talk about this. And, you know, you're going to avoid, not avoid, but ensure that you don't have that shut down experience like you had before. Yes, absolutely. I have I have really noticed a difference. I really want to talk about things. Now it's it's still not easy. No. I still like to put things off sometimes and not talk about whatever. But it yes, I do I find I think I finally realized the importance to yes, we need to talk about it. I want to tell you how I feel. Does this piss me off? Does this make me happy? Do I like this? Do I not like this? 
I like I like that. I like I don't like assuming anymore. Yeah, totally. Well, you you get in your head and you assume yeah. the wrong way, or you yeah. assume a certain way, which is uh, could it could be completely off of what is actually going on. But you get into your head, and it yeah. it messes you up. Yeah, it's almost like when you run on assumptions, it becomes part of the communication style of a relationship, and then you just run yes. on those assumptions. So, I mean, you're you're talking everything from the way you think about the person to how they're going to react. And it's not based on facts. It's based on falsehoods that essentially are created in someone's mind. I would even say, like, if let's say you're texting somebody, the tone of their text is in your head yeah, yeah. based on what yeah. you assume. Exactly. So they, you could be like, oh, they're just being an asshole. <laughs> like, no, they're not. This yeah, is what you're exactly. thinking right now because you're not talking about and, it. And that's something that's, you know, really hard to catch when you have that type of assumptive anxiety um you know most people uh, yeah most people aren't able to like say oh my goodness i'm doing this i need to like take a step back and look at that with a different perspective and that's because that's kind of how we naturally function so again like working through that and then saying okay now i'm going to try to be aware of those things i, I mean i think as First of all, being more self-aware, but incredibly helpful for the way yeah. like you treat others or think about how people are treating you as well. And I think it's it's definitely I, I, if I could probably say if I took away one thing out of this, it's you need to talk to people. <laughs> communication, <laughs> man, it's yeah, pretty important. Yeah, communication is key, yeah. and it's it's necessary. Yeah, and I'll, it's hard, but it's necessary. I'll definitely take this to the next level and say just. Functioning as humans, um, that communication <laughs> is key. Because in the assumptive mind yeah. that takes over, I mean, that affects everything from work relationships to family to relationship with their children. Um, it's all over the place, and you know, uh, I think we're chronically shitty communicators. Oh yeah, I agree. Something we we don't master, and you know, it's something we will we'll never master, but we can get better at it. It, yeah, it takes work and it takes practice and you, you have to want to. It's easier not to, but in the long <laughs> always long run, it's it's going to bite you in the ass. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned um, starting your life over at 34. And I started my life over at 37, essentially. Yeah. I wasn't prepared for that. I can't believe I had to go through that. And sometimes I'm still pissed that I have to go through that. <laughs> yeah. Um. How do you feel about that? Like, does is it? What's your overall opinion about that? Like, starting your life over now. It's it's not like a it's not like we got put into witness protection or like we had to change locations or anything like that. But essentially, yeah, yeah we were like starting from square one from a lot of things. Well, and I think this goes back to the fact that um, we didn't um, get into the relationship with the expectation that it's going to fail. Nobody does. Or I would no. say most people. Most people don't it, do that. If you get into the, a relationship with the intention to fail, it's 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 pretty bad. Yeah. You might have to work on some things. Um, yeah. So that's kind of fits within that topic. Um, but, you know, this is not something that I wanted to do. Um, but, again, I'm going to push the, the therapy that I've had with a professional because... 
part of that was to prepare myself to get into that next phase if that was going to be the inevitable. Um, and then working through that helped. But hell no, I did not want that to happen. Um, that wasn't my ideal situation, but it, it's just one of those things where you, you know, like we kind of just talked about the, the survival mode part of you takes over at a certain point um, and then just have to power through it. Um, but yeah, that definitely is incredibly frustrating to say, I didn't really like want this. I didn't want to have to redefine myself, but then, yeah, I didn't ask for this, but it happened. Yeah. And then you can, the thing is that's when you start looking at the positives and it's like, well, you know, to redefine and to start my life over again, well, this might be nice to kind of take away the trash and clean up. Yeah and really evaluate everything kind of take a step back yeah 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 totally see what's what all's going on yeah, exactly I get that so my last question i have for you is what was your favorite thing that you changed when you're reclaiming your own space what was your favorite thing like what had the most meaning to you that you changed so i'll i'll think about this in two things because when i reclaimed it initially i was at the rent house where I had roommates, where I lived with my ex. And then, you know, the, the second thing is moving into the apartment. So the first thing that um, I think I really liked, and so I'll, t- I'll speak about like what I changed at the rent house. It was the bedroom. Uh, that was probably my favorite thing. Um, it, it's when I printed photos. I ordered on Shutterfly some photos that I've taken and replaced the photos of us, of like mountains or like a, a glacier that's over here. And then when I when I put that personal touch and on top of that, something that I created meant a lot to me. Um, I also had this like this photo that um, sat on my nightstand and it was like this really beautiful photo of sand dunes that I took. That I was really proud of. So it's like, first of all, it helped me feel like, OK, there's a little spark of creativity there. So that makes me f- feel fulfilled. And on top of that, um, I'm I took something that represented um, my past relationship and then made it my own. And um, another thing, I'm just going to say everything that I change is my favorite, basically. (laughs) Um, That's fair. Yeah. Because you picked it out. Yeah, totally. Um, It's another thing is um, I, I I had lots of ceramics that I created that I made. It was even back in high school, like a long time ago. But again, it it was like that, that form, the form of like, accepting myself as that creative that I'm still trying to pursue and to inspire. And then, you know, that's something that my ex really did not want anywhere. And she, she didn't like the ceramics. And so that's one thing that I was like, okay, well, I'm definitely putting these out because the bathroom is absolutely empty. Nothing's there. So I might as well get some ceramics out and then decorate it with the stuff that I created. So that's the, the rent house. Yeah. Okay. Um, when I went to, so again, with, the new apartment that I live in, it's like everything was my favorite. But um, I'm going to say that it is the the living room aspect of my apartment because in my rent house, um, I had my TV, my records, my vinyl, whatever, my sound system and stuff upstairs. And I feel like I couldn't really enjoy that without getting uh, interrupted or having to entertain somebody. That was where the common area was. Now, 
I had a place downstairs that I was my own, but it was like essentially a dark cave with no light. And so I felt mm-hmm. like I was like not able to um, enjoy the things that I would otherwise enjoy um, if that was really like a space that I owned. And I, I mentioned that I really never felt like that house was like my own. So that just like doubled up on it. So when I came to the new space, um, I have like a decently large living room, got a new couch, and then I can finally have my speakers up at the TV. I can be in this main space now and not feel like I'm going to be interrupted or have to entertain or so on. And I can just enjoy that um, as my space. I can have people whenever I want or not, you know. Um, yeah. I can have people over when I want and then not have to have people over when I, you know, that's not just something I want to do. Um, and another thing, so just like speaking about the things that I used to, that I owned with my ex. So I basically repurposed those. So I have a, um, a piece of furniture that essentially is a buffet, but now that's like what my TV is on in my bedroom. So I repurposed it and that feels good to have something that I used to own with my ex. And then now I'm still using it, but I'm making it in my, I'm using it in my own way. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And I know like, especially with your, with your new living situation, you don't have to feel like you need to escape to your room like you used to when you had to go down to the basement. Like you can just, this it's all yours. It's not shared. Right. Yeah. And being, being that mostly, I would say more so of an introvert than an extrovert, um, I need that recharge time. And I feel like I'm being forced out of somewhere that's my own home. I mean, that just made me feel ultimately like shit. I wanted yeah. that space and I, I wanted that room and, and enjoyed the things that I actually own. So it's like uh, after she left at the rent house and there's still like this stuff, I'm trying to re- reinvent myself, but I still can't take everything that I actually own and make it my own. It was still like being used by somebody else after going through that process of having to split up with something that I shared. So there was probably a little bit of um, something that reminded me of, that the separation and splitting things out when I wasn't able to use like my TV and my listen to a record when I wanted to in the morning and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. Well, yeah. That's all I have. Cool. I hear a cat. <laughs> Is that... Yeah. I think he's uh, clawing at the door. <laughs> so uh, on the same topic, um, what's something that you get rid of that you never liked and <laughs> found more relief in getting rid of like what's what are some of those just wanted to see what you had to say oh uh, so there were i think the most satisfying thing to get rid of were you, you probably remember these these antique chairs oh, next yeah. to the tv mm-hmm. they were called those king and queen chairs but like they were never in use no they were they're pointless <laughs> they're worthless they're stupid <laughs> and they were ugly and it was, it was, so I live in an old house. I live in a 105 year old house. So the theme, the decorating theme was old shit. <laughs> well, I like, I like how, um, you mentioned, uh, that like, you know, designing wasn't like your thing. You didn't really want to worry about it, but here you are like saying that shit is ugly. It needs to be old. So you do have some interest in it. Well, so I think it's. I th- I don't I don't I think the interest now that I'm actually making these decisions has increased 
Yeah. So I'm more aware of what was in here. Um, Makes sense. But but also, it's like stuff came to the house. I'm like, okay, whatever. It's, it's not, it, it was one of those things where I guess it's not worth it or it's just not that big of a deal. Like it's, it's not hurting me or anything. But now that it's my space, that shit's going. That, and <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah. got rid of it. And I think those chairs were the most satisfying thing to get rid of. Nice. Cool. I was just interested because yeah, I, I gathered some joy that was in that <laughs> sentence. And I was like, okay, well, I got to know like what's I figured that would be one of your questions <laughs> <laughs> that you would want me to expand on that. Nice, nice read. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, so was the anxiety that you felt during the home design, again, this is like flowing really well. Um, the anxiety that you felt during the home design changes, scary, overwhelming, unsure of yourself, or in a way, was it exciting? What did that feel like for you? I would say yes to everything but scary. Cool. Like I, I was worried that, um, was I making a good design choice? Was I spending money wisely? Was I, am I making this place look like too much of a bachelor pad or is it, or am I trying to do like, look like an adult lives here or like a college guy lives here, which I I feel like what the things that I've picked a, an adult lives here, but it was, it was, it wasn't something that I was used to. And it was, I would always, if I did want to do something decoration wise or whatever, I would always ask my ex, like, Hey, what do you think about this? Yeah, and we kind of like definitely. bounce ideas off of each other and yep. like, no, I don't like that. Or yeah, that looks good. Let's do that. And, and so it was, it was me by myself making that decision for the first time in a long time. Like, like I said, I've never lived alone before. So I've always either had parents furniture or hand-me-down furniture or furniture that my ex chose or whatever. Yeah. And I kind of want to expand on that. Like I wasn't, I was allowed to pick up, pick out my own stuff while we were married. I don't want to say like, I wasn't, (laughs) I had like no, 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 no voice in that. Like I, (laughs) There is stuff that I, that were always, that were my decisions that were in here. So I wasn't like that kind of guy where I'm like, ah, just whatever, just put whatever. I love you. But it was, <laughs> so I did have decisions and stuff, but always when I made those decisions, I had, I had someone to bounce that idea off of. Yeah. And you, this time around, I didn't. Right. And this doesn't sound right, but I wanted to make sure I was making the right choice in regards to stuff. But now I'm like, that's what I like. That's, I want to put that in here. Yeah, that's part of the reliance in a relationship, though. I mean, when something that you make a decision on or something that you think about and you've always bounced ideas because you want that different perspective, I mean, that's just, that's kind of the healthy codependence. Unless, like, of course, you're questioning yourself, then there's probably some issues there. But, and it was, and it was, there's also a piece of replacing the past mm -hmm. that I had that was, that I was a bit hesitant on that, that it was always in the back of my mind, like, Oh, this is the stuff that we shared and it's sold or on the curb or whatever. And I think that was, that was a piece of it too. It's like, Hey, I'm just, I'm replacing this piece of our history. That's meaningless outside of the walls of this house, but it's, it's a replacement of our history. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, especially with furniture, things that, um, 
have like a something that's solid it's matter <laughs> something that you yeah. used a lot um and when you like you said like see seeing it on the in your yard or whatever that someone can take that that's must be uh very sad uh, because it's like you you are associating memories with that and that's, that's yeah. that is very difficult so you're yeah definitely felt lots of layers of anxiety yes <laughs> definitely experienced some <laughs> sadness and yeah, I mean, that's just classic anxiety. It, it just makes – it's a voice in your head, and you tend to – it tends to spiral in, in some way. Sometimes it's controlled spiral. Sometimes it's something that um, you're like, okay, well, this anxiety is just making me feel this way. So, like, second-guessing yourself, that's definitely anxiety. And you did bring up a good point in regards to the the – like the codependence on I had someone to bounce off ideas and mm-hmm. now I didn't at that time and yeah. it's like oh I'm 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 alone right now like this these are my decisions to make and mine alone and yeah so it's like forces so you was, to realize yeah that was definitely eye-opening yeah so uh can you go into how it feels when you've added or replaced stuff that reflects your taste and personality I love it. It's a, it's a little addicting. <laughs> yeah. Um I I can't quit buying artwork. I think that's the biggest deal right now. Like I have poster rolls in the in the office and no frames for things. It's good to have choices. Yeah, so I I I like that. I do feel good. I I like the fact that it's like, "Hey, I made this call. This is mine." Yeah, totally. It, and it's in my house, mm-hmm. and it's my thing. Exactly. I like that. Yep. I mean, I completely agree. So this is going to be kind of a combined conversation. Okay. Um, so regarding your photos, and we've kind of yes. touched on this, uh, and specifically about what you're going to do with them in the long run, um, what are some things that you've thought about, or what have you thought about doing with them long term? So... It's it's two two options, really. Do you want to throw them into a fire and burn them? Which, you know, or, getting into something like this, a lot of, I mean, that happens. They're, they just want to get rid of everything. It does. So do you want to just do that or do you want to put them in a shoebox and just tuck them under the bed or in the closet? And so those pictures are always there. Because like I said, they, they are big part of my life and a very big piece of who I am today. And so that, that has us, it does have a special value to that. I feel totally. And I'm not, I don't, I don't feel like I'm in the camp to where I want to just burn it all. Now I have thrown away a few, whether it be just, it's, I, I don't ever want to see this photo again. It's just, it's too much or the memory behind it was too much, or I just like, eh, I have other ones that this, this doesn't make the cut. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think where I, where I sit right now talking to you on this show is I feel like they're in a spot. If I, if for some reason I want to go through them or I, whatever, they're there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like they're out on display or anything like that. But I have them. 
Yeah. Is where I'm at on that. What about you? Yeah, so I know that I don't want to get rid of mine. Um, maybe for now they're stored away. But um, I think it's really, really possible in the future that I'll find joy in looking back at those times. Because it's like now it's really close. And that's something that you're only attributing a lot of that um, really negative, uh, bad memories with that time. But, you know, my relationship, um, and that's because of the, the quality of relationship that we had. I mean, there's lots of good times. Um, a decent amount of bad times, but there's going to be a time where I feel like I'm going to find joy in remembering the the good times. And I, I really think that because this was such a huge part of my life and it, it had lots of meaningful memories, even, even like the, the negative stuff, I consider those very meaningful. And there's going to be a day where I think I'm going to, I'm going to want to know, or maybe I want to show maybe some future children or yeah. somebody else like there needs to be proof of that because you know it's not like the whole thing was shit um there's a lot of it that was part of my life so i think it's very important for me to keep them and i agree and they were both of us we had amazing times and there was amazing memories and it's wonderful but it it's i i kind of have a real world world experience i was probably last weekend i was going through some old photos trying to find a particular photo that i took of something and so i was scrolling through all of the old photos on my computer and i just kept seeing just old memories of us old memories things we did we went out here we went out there it was hard it really put a damper on the day so i think kind of like what you said long term you might be able to cherish those memories or not, not cherish, but look back and like smile. I, I, I tried it not on purpose, but it, it did affect me Yeah, trying to go through those and seeing those. Yeah. And it, it did make me sad. Now I, I will say, um, social media is a, is a different thing for me. Um, I ended up removing and detagging a lot of stuff that we were together. Not everything. Um, if I found something that was particularly meaningful or something that I missed, it, it's not a big deal to me. But I did remove some of the stuff because, I mean, I felt that it, it wasn't... I, I take such little photos and there's a minimal amount that if you look at my like photo timeline, that it's like me in a new relationship, me single, me married. Or it was just actually it would look like yeah. me married, me with somebody else. <laughs> it's like, what? Uh, so... <laughs> And I also, that's also, that can go in for redefining and rebranding your life too, is like, well, I got to look at um, what my brand is online a little bit, but you know, I'm not a huge social poster or anything, but I felt that there was some connection there as well. Yeah. I think I had a, a more difficult time with social media, specifically the Facebook memories. Yes. On this day... 10 years ago, this is a photo you posted. And of course, it's always a damn selfie. (laughs) And it's, oh, yeah, that was an amazing vacation or that was an amazing trip or that was a great restaurant or something like that. That that is very difficult. So I I have been taking those down as they come up because I wasn't one of the ones that deleted the Facebook, my Facebook account. I know a lot of people do that when they go through a divorce. I didn't do that. I don't know why I didn't do it. I just didn't, maybe I didn't want to mess with it, but 
Yeah. So those do pop up and I try to go through, but there are so many photos on there and it's, I know I yeah. never got to the point where I just want to sit there and go through everything. No, I mean, that's also like, it could be just taxing. If you're working on it for like 30 minutes, you're like, dear God, I need a, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> like, let me just, yeah, let me re, exactly. re-explore this later on. Yeah. What did buying your ex out of the house consist of? And before you answer, basically, what was that back and forth between two parties in order to get a final agreement like? Just kind of like shed some light into that. So really what you do, um, in our case, we owned a home together. Well, it's ours, so you can't. We both have ownership entitlement to that. We are both entitled to the value of that asset. And anytime in a divorce situation, usually what happens is you either sell the house and you both of you split the difference in whatever equity you have in the house. Let's say you have a mortgage and the value, whatever value outside of that mortgage balance you get, that's your equity. So you go... You sell the house and you split it up 50 50 mm-hmm. because it was jointly owned. It's community property. Um, and what I did in my case was I didn't want to deal with selling the house. It's just, I didn't want it. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to mess with it. I didn't want to go through the hassle. Yeah, I mean, you're already going through a lot. You weren't, like you yeah, said, you were already ready. going through a lot. Yeah. I didn't need to add that. Mm-hmm. So, Essentially, what you what you'd calculate is you get with like I mean we got with an attorney and we an appraisal was done on the house and here's the value it's worth X you owe this amount on it so you take your value minus what you owe and that's what's called your equity and then you cut that in half so essentially she just got an advance on the value of the house without me having to sell it so I had to take out the debt associated with it and pay that is really how that works and others i mean you could you can talk about vehicles retirement accounts it, it right. can get nasty and i was very fortunate to where it just was dealing with the house okay so we both invested our money into and we i mean she deserved a payout on it i, right. I totally get that yeah i mean like you said both parties owned is yeah. it common that or is this just like a no-brainer by law or whatever, that it's split 50-50? Or is there any instance where that's different that you know of? That I don't know. I'm assuming most places it's 50-50. Yeah. Definitely in the state of Texas. Right. Um, I'd imagine it would be 50-50, but I'm just, yeah. I'm just curious. I, I've been thinking in some cases you don't even have to be married have community property and that Correct. It just gets dirty. Yeah. 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 I, I so that, that, that was, that was our deal. And just and what it was, the back and forth is, Hey, I'm going to pay you this. No, I, I, I don't think that let's do this amount. And it's kind of back and forth on the amount. And once you agree to the amount, it's actually in the divorce paperwork, how much you got to pay. It's pretty official. Yeah. All yeah. the way to the end. Interesting. And just realizing that should be its own podcast because that can, that is a pretty serious and 
long-winded conversation to have, and especially the different types of situations when someone's splitting up property during a divorce. Well, yeah, and you can talk about the financial burden that it puts on somebody, that it can put on somebody. Yeah, right. And there's, it's a big deal. I mean, splitting assets is never easy. No, yeah. I mean, even the, the little amount that I had, which, you know, at the time, assets of mine were not a thing. But we saw the split up stuff, so that yeah. was just a little stuff and I was trying to do like completely 50, 50 and you know, even that got complicated. So I can only imagine. And it does. And you can, you can get as specific as you want in the paperwork. Like she gets the couch, you get the love seat or whatever, but he <laughs> yeah. just threw in a generic statement. All other items have been agreed upon. Yeah. Let's, kind of, let's talk about yeah. that a little bit. So, um, I, when we agreed on stuff, um, we basically just had like a spreadsheet and it's like, well, do you want this? Yes. Do I want that? No. And when you go to the court, uh, they're basically like, well, do you have that stuff agreed upon or not? And if it's agreed upon, then they're like, cool. Well, this is a little bit more streamlined, but you know, most likely yeah. I'm sure it's not. So then they have to get involved. And <laughs> which I can't even imagine the nightmare oh associated God. with, with yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Especially if there's a situation where, you know, you're not, um, uh, if you're, if you're just at each other's throats at the time, I mean, that mediator, the, that, those poor souls, I mean, that, that's a yeah. hard job, but it's also hard for each party too. I mean, those are valid reactions and emotions, but yeah, that, I'd be curious to, to know, like just the different nuances of that, um, uh, you'll be I'm really sure you can pull up uh, yeah, some public case files, pour, pull up some like horror stories. So <laughs> yeah. like helps people feel a little bit better with the situation, even though it's quite shitty. So that would be interesting. Divorce horror stories. <laughs> yeah. That'll be our sub podcast. Oh my God. Be yeah. like true crime, but divorce. That, that is an extensive topic. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Okay. So when you, counter things or events that trigger you how do you handle those so this is like talking about you know you make a certain dish or yeah you know, like repairing something and even just like watching tv it's really you just in my case i just sit there and take it in on and like okay i'm, I'm having this memory this experience right now and you kind of, I just let it run its course and move on. Sometimes it'll make me sad. Sometimes it, it's still kind of weird. And I think being in the same house makes that weirder. For sure. Tori, you, you're thinking back and you like, you're, let's say I'm making breakfast and I walked to the living room and for eight years she was in the living room and I'd hand her yeah, breakfast. And right. I walk now, I make breakfast and I just walk in there and I have my dog and my cat. So yeah, it's, it's, so that's, I think the triggers on that and the, the emotions that I feel, I just, I allow it to, I allow myself to feel it. Yeah. It sounds like you're, you're, you're trying to evaluate how you, how you feel in the moment and you're just letting it sit and yeah. letting it kind of, I wouldn't say run its course, but you're definitely not pushing it away and not trying to repress those feelings. So that, that sounds actually exactly. Yeah, I, I'm not, I, I think that's a really good way to deal with it. 
I'm not trying to sit there and just no, 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 get out of my head. No, I just <laughs> yeah. I let it happen, and yeah, it it really never lasts very long. Yeah, and it's 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 completely random. I can't tell you. It happens once a week, once a month. It, it there's no schedule. It just yes. it just happens sometimes. I'm pretty sure we've mentioned this before in the past episodes, but it really does come out of nowhere. Um, it, it just, it could be anything. And it, it, I know for me, it takes me off guard every time because it, it's like, it's happening and I feel it. And then I realize, and I catch myself, it's like, it, it's happening to me before I realize it. Mm-hmm. It's very strange and it's really hard. It's incredibly hard. It just appears out of nowhere sometimes. Yeah, totally. Um, what was it like living alone? Um, so first going into it because it was something that you said you really didn't have any experience with. So first going into it, what did it feel like? But then after that, what does it feel like now? So going into it first, it was terrifying. It was lonely. It was, it was dark. It was quiet. It was it was horrible for a while because you're, I was so used to having somebody there with me, someone there next to me. Right. Having that constant interactions, like from the simplest things of like watching something funny on TV and just looking over going, huh. Yeah. Yeah. To right. or, or like having a conversation and like now that doesn't happen, that, that, that didn't happen. And it was, so it was very, it was very, lonely I would say it was quite an adjustment I tried to just have like music playing or like where it just wasn't a quiet place right um now I enjoy it nice I like having my space I like I like Sometimes I like going home and just having my space, having my time. Like totally. we're both introverts and we both need that recharge time. Exactly. And I like it. I do enjoy it. Now there's some times where I'm like, dang, I wish I I want to go out tonight or I don't want to be home or I want to do something instead of just mm-hmm. go home and I do that. Or Yeah, totally. But I also value the time that I have here by myself. And it's, I mean, I could do nothing or I could do a project on the house or I could just sit and drink coffee or whatever. It's whatever well, it, I want yeah, to do. And it's your time. Nobody's opinion is mm-hmm. part of it except for mine. And yeah, so I do enjoy that. Um, I'm not like, I'll never live with someone again. <laughs> Cause that, that is fun too. But yeah, I, I am enjoying it. I do. I, I think that I'm enjoying it more than I thought I would. Nice. That's pretty positive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know that for a fact, I don't want roommates. <laughs> and that's... <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's not because they were shitty roommates. Or they weren't shitty roommates. It's just, you know, I'm mid-30s. Um, you know, I, I do have, I do want that space that's my own. Um and it's just what I've kind of found out about myself and to learn that, that that's okay. I don't have to beat myself up for that stuff because that's something that I battled. Yeah, I think that we are grown men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. 
roommates are not part of the equation no. anymore. Right. I mean, it's, as if I, if it needs to happen, of course. I mean, that's just yeah. what's going to have to happen. Ex- exactly. But yeah. I mean, if it's my choice, you know, and I think that, you know, most people should feel the same, but you would prefer to have your own space, especially it's like, if it's not a saving money type of situation and you can't afford it, um, you are saving money. You would rather like just have your own place. I'm just going to make that assumption across the board, blanket statement. <laughs> it's said, it's done. I, I think that's a fair assumption <laughs> or, you know, you never know. There might be some people out there. It's like, no, I don't want to live alone. I like having someone around all the time or whether yeah. it be a friend or a lover or whatever. Yeah, I well, like having someone around. So that's my, the exception. If it's a lover, um, that's different. I mean, that, that feels like it's one and the same. So if, yeah, well, lovers aren't roommates. And if they, if your lover exactly. is a roommate, then you're, you're having issues. Yes. And I will say that <laughs> that was one of the things that my ex talked about. Um, she felt that we were roommates at a certain point. Yeah. I'm like, no, we're, we're uh, married. We're in a relation. We're in a romantic relationship. So yeah, difference between roommate and a lover is big, huge. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think we had the same predicament. It's like, Hey, we're, we kind of feel like we're just roommates and not, Mm. a couple anymore and so that that's what and you know part of that i I think that most relationships i'm not going to say i think that um i i would believe that um that that's not uncommon in relationships it is just the the work on the proactive work on ensuring that that love remains it's not like you work to love somebody it's just you work to communicate you work to show affection um and stuff like that to help um, just show the other person that you belong. I understand. I respect you. And then that's something that you want as a person as well is you need all of those things too. It's essentially like we're getting at to the core is like, we just want to be validated. We want to be loved. We want to be cared for and understood and respected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it is work. I mean, yeah. And it's something you need to stay on top of. Yeah. That's what like, it, can, it can slide. It can slide through your fingers. That's quick. the, that emphasis on proactive work because it, it is something that yeah. you consciously have to do. I'm, I'm um, listening to this podcast from Esther Perel and it's called, where do we begin? And essentially it's a podcast that she, she's actually going through a couple's counseling session. This is, this is a recording of the couple's counseling session. Oh, wow. And she like blatantly says, whoever, who told you that lie, that things happen naturally. It's bullshit. <laughs> and that's something that I think we misunderstand is that it's like, why do we have this like princess prince mentality, Disney perfect uh, expectations of a relationship? It's like, no, it it does take hard work. It does take proactive work. It doesn't just naturally happen. No, I shouldn't, exp- I shouldn't know the other person's needs and expectations unless they're telling me, unless I'm telling them versus you know, just assuming. So there's back on the assuming thing. It's just not a way yeah, to it's dangerous. Yeah. It's not a, it's a way we usually function, but it's not ideal. <laughs> it's not the proper way. Right. Both of those putting it nicely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so as you talked about your ex first leaving as part of the separation within your story, I noticed that you said your ex isn't there anymore which was the present tense, not the present tense. Now, 
Do you think that that was a slip of the tongue or do you think there's some significance there? Oh, I might need to read my transcript real, <laughs> real quick. <laughs> I, th- I think that, huh. <laughs> I think that was meant as past tense. Well, to where when I was talking, like the only, the, so when when she left, I was surrounded by everything that we mm-hmm. did together, all of her decorations. And then the only thing different was that she wasn't there anymore. Right. So I'm wondering if you, it's like you, a Freudian slip type of situation. You know, <laughs> and you're in the, you got me. Like maybe you're in the moment or not. I just wanted to, yeah. I want to kind of see what you thought about that. I, that's interesting. I, I really can't answer that. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe it was a slip. Yeah. Cool. And I think that that could be tied to that I'm still in the same house. That's what I and was I thinking. And I still talk about it to where she's, she isn't here or yeah. whatever. But yeah, that's oh. that's very interesting. I was just Good imagining, I was imagining you know, like you in, in the room or especially when you're writing it because we, we obviously we write this and then we record it. And I'm imagining you recording it and writing it and just like just getting into the moment and like putting yourself yeah. back there. And I think that that's what it was. I do put myself in that situation mm-hmm. when I'm writing about it. Yeah. I will say like doing the research on this, uh, like it's like since this is a year ago, um, you have to like look back at things. And I had to look back at text messages, emails, all this stuff to kind of figure out, okay, what was I doing throughout this process? Because for me, I was in that survival mode of figuring out how to split things, um, getting a new place, figuring out when she's going to um, get um, a place to stay and stuff like that. That was hard. Um, I was reflecting a lot. So I would compare myself. First of all, I I was in the moment and almost pulling myself back into that time and we're realizing like how difficult that was, even though I probably didn't realize how difficult it was. I knew it was difficult, but dear Lord. Mm-hmm. And then comparing that to now, which is a little over a year ago and comparing that is really nice because it really makes me realize how far somebody or how far I could go uh, as far as being a happier and, you know, yeah. ideally more fulfilled person. Now I still, have those moments of anxiety um the grief sets in that just always happens so it's not easy but i can say that i'm in such a better place now so i was going to ask like so you're you're going back and you're putting yourself in those those that situation again Mm -hmm. or those spots or that feeling can you see the growth that you've made since then a lot yeah 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 i do too for sure and that's you know that that is part of everything that I've worked on for just the grief of the divorce, but then that personal stuff that you kind of started off with when the first question you asked me about how I see myself and how others treat me, that's part of that process of growth of like realizing more and being more aware uh, of things that I need to be, that I need to pay attention. So, which is making sure that I'm taking care of myself. And then, you know, obviously you take care of others, but if you're not taking care of yourself, loving yourself, that's, not fulfilling. Yeah, you gotta, You're not going to be happy. Yeah, you need to take care of yourself too. Yeah. And there's, I mean, we, we go through all of life essentially hating ourselves because that's just, it becomes normal and it becomes regular and it becomes a habit. And like I've, I've had to have somebody else kind of help me work in trying to disrupt that type of thinking 
so I can get into a better place. That's yeah, that's that's pretty neat. Do you does it get does it get you down when you go back to those places? Of course. It's hard. Yeah. Because it it's it really is or it really feels like that you're in that time. It's like you're revisiting the past. I'm reading another book called um uh, it, it's about trauma in, oh, it's, it's called The Body Keeps Score, and, and it's a book about trauma. Now, like, the trauma that I experience isn't like I lost a leg or um, I was abused as a child. It, it's not like that, but there's still elements that I feel. So when I'm reading this book and I'm I'm like looking at the research that they've done and speaking about trauma and how it affects people, I've realized that some of the things that I experience in a, in a kind of like a, a, a mini way, a minimal way, is reflective of how we deal with stuff that's really hard. So I feel like I get placed back into that time, almost like you can't control it. And then the part of your brain doesn't really realize you're in the present. You're not there. It feels like you're there and you're experiencing it over again. So that mm-hmm. that is hard. Um, it, you know, you don't want to be placed in something that you had such a difficult time and you worked so hard to get out of. And so it's like, you go back to it and your brain goes, no, 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 not again, not again. And that's I think that's I a big struggle for this show. Yeah. And how it's difficult for both of us to do that, to yeah. go back and to relive that and talk about it and type, go in and tell our stories and whatnot. Yeah. So I've made regular practice of comparing where I am now compared to like a year ago or a year and a half ago to keep check on that progress. And it really does like feel good. And it makes me realize like how far I've gone. So it's like, if I'm feeling down with current stuff, I can say, man, I I definitely am better than I was a year ago. And I'm not trying to compare that. It's just still saying that like, it puts me in perspective Mm -hmm. and definitely I'm like such a, such a better place. Well, good. I think you are. Yeah. Thanks. You too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I, I definitely feel that. Yeah. And I know that um, a lot of this podcast and the evaluation of ourselves for you is you're probably looking um, and evaluating the past probably for the first, second or third time. And so this is like all fresh when you re-experience <laughs> yeah. these things. And I know that that's, you know, that's difficult. It is. I'm bringing back up that beast or that monster mm-hmm. or whatever and, and going and digging going back into that cave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that is definitely something that we went through and, you know, it, it is an experience and those experiences make us who we are. Um, usually, I don't know. I mean, sometimes for the better, sometimes worse. We can talk about the movie Hereditary and that movie is about sometimes trauma is not... <laughs> family trauma sometimes changes for the worse. And, you know, that's that's kind of a, it's a factual uh, observation, but with, um, with good context and perspective, you know, we, we can definitely get to a better place. Well, yeah, definitely. And just keep, you keep, you don't dwell on the negative space. You, you keep kind of, keep like pull yourself out of it and you keep moving, moving forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sometimes 
you, fall you can back. visit the past. Yeah. Or yeah, yeah, you fall back or you go back or mm-hmm. you have those memories or the ghosts of the past and you can deal with it however you want. But as long as you're constantly still like, okay, yeah, that happened. That sucked. And I've grown from that or I've changed because of that or whatever. And, but as long as you're still looking up as to what you could do and how you can get out of it and improve yourself instead of just getting stuck in that, that rut, which is very easy to do. Yeah. And, you know, I'll say this too. Um, we had a very loving upbringing, like our, our mom, uh, definitely and our dad as well. But, you know, mom is the caretaker for most families. So she was definitely yeah. that. We were cared for. Uh, we were we were heard and we were loved consistently. And what I've learned is that is a recipe for resilience. So there's a lot of people, you know, that were lucky in that. Uh, we are people, very fortunate. Yes. That's that's could be indicative of the resilience that uh, we've kind of experienced through this. Um, so it's hard to like get out of our minds, but what, what in reality, what happens is when that love isn't there, when you're not getting that warmth, respect, and maybe you're getting, um, verbally, physically, or sexually assaulted as a kid, that will determine how you deal with stuff like this. And there's a ton of the population that, you know, that's their past. And so when someone goes through something like we did, and they they're in a bout of depression or they're in a dip um it you know they they need um it's just that they need a lot of that work they need a lot of that um individual love too and to use some reframing and um changing the way that they think about things in order to get to that place where they can say i'm going to look up now so that that usually takes a lot of work to get mm-hmm. even to the place to say, I'm strong enough to go forward. Yeah, you have to be willing. You you have to accept that that it's bad. It, it is it is hard. It's hard work. It's hard. It's it's tough. I mean, it's it it takes everything out of you. Yeah. And you you have to be strong. But any the support system is very important. Mm-hmm. You can't do this alone. No. Not at all. Um, Please subscribe and download Brothers Divorce wherever you listen to podcasts. If you do enjoy this, please review it and let us know what you think. If you're in a crisis and need intervention and support, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. If someone you know is in crisis, please reach out to them and help them. If you're feeling like you need professional help, Visit psychologytoday.com and search for therapists near your zip code. It's right there on their homepage. Brothers Divorce is produced by Chad and Todd Colston with Rank Beast LLC. Music is by Todd Colston. Mm-hmm.